This is New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing you can do for the show is to tell somebody else about it. Help spread the word and take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. In 2017, it was Marin Alsop who said, hey, why not consider Michael Rupper as the next conductor of the New York Youth Symphony? Michael Rupper wasn't that familiar with the orchestra, but quickly fell in love with this ensemble. And during the pandemic, there wasn't a lot they could do to get together and make music, so they decided, why not make our very first recording? And their debut recording was recently released. It features music from three black women composers, Florence Price, Valerie Coleman, and Jesse Montgomery. That's what you're going to be hearing about on New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Mucker. Well, Michael, start off by just introducing yourself. What would you like people and our listeners to know about you? Sure. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Michael Repper. I'm the music director of the New York Youth Symphony and the artistic director of the Central Ensembles of Sinfonia por el Peru. Um, and uh, I'm so thrilled to be talking with you today uh, about uh, this special album that we made with the New York Youth Symphony. Um, one of my uh, you know, chief missions is to build community through youth and to empower young people to make great music. And so I'm extremely proud of this album that we put together with the New York Youth Symphony. Provide us with some background on the New York Youth Symphony. Tell us a little bit about who they are and how you came to be associated with them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the New York Youth Symphony is one of this nation's most special uh, ensembles of young people, and it's actually much more than just an orchestra. Of course, we, we do have an orchestra. There's also a jazz program, a composition program, uh, a musical theater songwriting program, and a chamber music program. Um, it's a really unbelievable program that draws musicians not just from New York, but from the surrounding area, the tri-state area, we've also had musicians come as far as Massachusetts. Um, I live in Virginia and and commute in, so it's a really special group uh, of people from really all over the country, actually, because the age range of the orchestra is from 12 to 22. And so what that means, actually, is each year we have many members of the orchestra who are students at the local conservatories and colleges in town, Juilliard or MSM, NYU, Columbia, which means that they may not necessarily even be residents of New York. They, they may come from uh, all over the country or even the world. So it's, it's a really special ensemble, and uh, they play with such eagerness and energy and vitality, and I consider myself incredibly fortunate to be able to work with them. How did you become associated with this ensemble? Oh, I was... Very lucky to to have been asked to apply. I became the music director in the fall of 2017, uh, which means that I auditioned in 2016. Um, I got an email from the executive director asking if I would be interested in auditioning. I understand that they um, had recruited many, many people and many, many talented people to audition for the position. And I had been recommended by my mentor, Marin Alsop, whom I was extraordinarily fortunate to meet when I was uh, about 11 or 12 years old um, and 
uh, a testament to who she is. She she took me under her wing, and uh, I'm extraordinarily fortunate uh, for the relationship that I have had with Marin since that time. And I, I think they asked Marin, who who would you recommend for this position? And she said, oh, you should give Mike a call. And so uh, I was the very, very fortunate benefactor of, um, of her thought. And I, I remember at my audition, beforehand, I wasn't really familiar with New York because I grew up in California. I also went to college in California before moving to the East Coast um, for my doctorate. And I had spent some time in New York. I had some family in New York, but I, I wasn't really familiar with the New York Youth Symphony uh, beyond just basically knowing its its reputation as being a phenomenal ensemble. And I remember I got the audition repertoire, and on it, uh, there were several things on it. One of them was Brahms' Third Symphony, which they were playing at the time. And I remember thinking, and, and, and this may have been very wrong of me, but I remember thinking, wow, Brahms' Third Symphony, that's really hard. I mean, that's a piece that, that a lot of professional orchestras uh, sometimes don't play all that well. And I, I thought, wow, that's, that's really something. And I remember getting in front of the orchestra and um, hearing the first two chords, those two big monumental chords, and thinking, and hearing the sound and being, wow, this is the maturity of the sound is, uh, is unreal. And being so excited uh, about the prospect of getting the job. And so to have gotten the job and now have, to have been there for five seasons now has been excellent. And, and we do so many awesome things. Uh, many people don't know that the New York Youth Symphony has an unbelievable commitment to new music. And going back over 30 years uh, the orchestra has commissioned, I believe, over 170 works by young composers as part of a program that's called the First Music Program. And at every concert uh, features a commission, a commissioned work by a young composer. And I think one of the reasons that the orchestra sounds as good as it does is because they're intimately familiar with playing new music and with working with living composers, um, because doing that makes it much easier to work on on music that you can hear bef uh, you know, before you might have heard a recording. So, um, yeah, that's, that's just, sorry, I'm rambling a bit, but that's just a bit about the program and what, what I find to be super exciting about it. Well, that leads beautifully into your new recording. How, how many recordings has the ensemble made? Thank you. This is the first studio album of the New York Youth Symphony, and I was ex extremely proud to, to have led it, and, and it was a big team that put it together, particularly considering the circumstances. Yeah, I, uh, wonder, I wondered one. if it was your debut. That was I didn't find that in any of the information I researched, and I was like, that seems like an important thing for us to note. <laughs> well, there you go. And I, I personally hope that it's the first of many, uh, because I, I think that recording is critically important for young people to know how to do. C critically important. Um, you know, when we talk about how to build uh, experience for young people who might be interested in going into the music, well, recording is going to be, you know, a huge part of making a career in music. Um, and so it was a great experience all around. During the global pandemic, the New York Youth Symphony, like most organizations, were in lockdown concerts canceled, and you decided you were going to find a way to make music together in the wake of the pandemic. Tell me more about that. That's right. Well, you know, I, I, I like everybody, was sitting at home um, trying to be safe, and we were, like everybody, trying to come up with something that we could do that would be compelling. And for me, doing nothing was not an option. It, it wasn't even something that I considered, uh, and it's not, not never something that I would consider. We couldn't do nothing. Uh, well, at the very, very beginning of the pandemic, uh, we released one of those distanced videos, you know, of people playing in little boxes uh, on the screen. We did a segment from Mahler's 
First Symphony, which is what we were going to perform at our next concert, except that it had been canceled. And we were one of the, we weren't the first, but we were one of the very first ensembles to put one out. I think ours was published on March 27th, 2020 or something like that. And it was very much an experiment at that time. You know, I'm sure people came up with better ways of doing it than we did it, but we, we sort of tested the, the balloon as it were. Um, and it went very well. And so, okay, we, we worked with click track. We did, we did these various things. And I was thinking, you know, well, if we can't, perform live, maybe we could make an album. So I started to explore this idea and we, we talked with producers, you know, we, we tried to figure out how we might be able to actually do this because of course we had to be distanced still. You know, the ordinary way that an orchestra would record an album is not the way we did it. You know, you, ordinarily you would have the entire orchestra in a room and you record. Well, that was impossible. Uh, we had to, in a sense, reinvent the wheel a bit in order to make it happen. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it was just, we had to f find a way to to provide a quality educational experience to the kids. That was paramount. We wanted to perform. That was paramount. Uh, and in the absence of being able to, you know, play live, this is what I came up with. And, and I'm thankful for a great team that, that supported it and, and put it together. Michael, how did you reinvent the wheel as you made this recording during the pandemic? It's a really good question. Um, as I as I mentioned, the ordinary way that you would record an album in the in in a, an orchestral sense is you'd have the entire orchestra in a room together. That was impossible for distancing. What we were told was that in the area where we wanted to record, in the room we wanted to record, we could have up to 30 people, I believe 32 people, including me, in a room at a time if everybody was masked. And fewer, I think about 24 or 25, if some of them like woodwinds and brass had to be unmasked. And so we, <coughs> I, <laughs> put together click tracks for the entire album, almost the entire album, about 80% of the album with click track. I rehearsed the orchestra online. Uh, almost none of the rehearsal was done in person because we wanted to limit, you know, uh, contact. So I uh, asked the, everybody to make recordings to the ClickTrack, send them in. I'd give them feedback. And it wasn't until the very last minute that we actually met in person. We met in person for about four hours to rehearse before actually making the album. And we recorded the strings first to ClickTrack with Michelle on piano. And actually, the piano concerto is the one piece that doesn't have a click track because um, we were able to follow Michelle. We were able to – the piano plays throughout. But we recorded to click track. And then uh, afterwards, the winds and brass came in and percussion came in and recorded on top of it. And because of how we prepared the orchestra to click track, it was actually pretty easy to put together. Uh, it worked very well. And we had an all-star team of producers, Judy Sherman um, and Isaiah Abilene and, and a whole team that were able to make it sound like everybody was in a room together at the same time. And it was very difficult, of course. Uh, and it was a success. It was the sort of thing where I, I'm glad we did it and I hope we don't have to do it again. I hope the next time we can all be together in a room at the same time. Um, but it worked well, considering. On this recording, you feature works by three different black women composers. Why did you decide to do that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, the interesting thing is that actually I, I didn't necessarily set out to, to do it 
um, in, in that way. It's just sort of how it happened. We were scheduled to play the Florence Price Piano Concerto on our concert in Carnegie Hall. It was actually going to be the Carnegie Hall premiere of the Price Piano Concerto. I still don't think it's been played there in May of 2020, which got canceled. And so that was the first, when we were doing the album, we called Michelle and I said, hey, would you like to, you know, could we do this? Uh, so that was the first thing that, that, that went on the album. And that was because we were already scheduled to play it. Then I was thinking, well, you know, right now we're all so separated and what we're craving more than anything else is something unifying, something that we can, you know, that brings us together and music that's about that. And I had known, of course, Valerie Coleman's Umoja um, in its many, many forms. Of course, the, the most popular probably being of Valerie's own Imani Wins. But I had known that Yannick Nezisegan and the Philadelphia Orchestra had commissioned and performed a full orchestra arrangement of it just beforehand in 2019. And I asked for the score for it, and it was amazing. And so I said, that, that should go on there. And so uh, there we had a piece by Florence Price and by Valerie Coleman. And of course, you know, in, in 2020, particularly with the tragedy, the, the murder of George Floyd and everything else that's going on, it, it seemed that it was a moment to, to highlight music that dealt with uh, inequities and oppression. And so, you know, I, I, I had always loved Florence Price's Ethiopia Shadow in America. Ever since I heard a recording of it by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, and I was amazed that there hadn't yet been a recording of an American orchestra doing it, amazed. Maybe not amazed, but, you know, maybe it's not surprising, but but that was immediate. I said, well, that has to be on the album for sure. Um, and Jesse Montgomery's Soul Force, it deals with the similar topic, of course. So the fact that it's all works by black women, um, it, it, it's great that, that that's how it happened. I didn't set out to say we should record all of this and... I think um, that I hope that that it becomes normal to do it that way, that it's not just it's, you know, it may be somewhat unique now to have an album like that. I I'm reminded of um, of of a quote of Justice Ginsburg. You know, she talked about, you know, when will there be enough women on the court? And she said when there are nine and, you know, it shouldn't be something um, uh, out of the ordinary, you know, at this point to have an album of works by by black women. Um, So I'm proud we did it and I hope more will follow. You mentioned that it's important to feature living composers, and you have two living composers on this recording. Was there an opportunity in any way for the youth orchestra to work with these composers, or did COVID prevent that? Uh, yeah, COVID did prevent, unfortunately, for, for, for Jesse and for Valerie to come to the album recording itself. We were so limited in terms of the amount of people that we could have, not just in the studio um, and in the, the control room. So unfortunately, there wasn't any hands-on time during the actual studio recording itself. Jesse did come to speak with our orchestra um, over Zoom. What kind of insight did she offer to these young musicians that helped with their performance of her piece? Well, you know, the, the interesting thing is that Jesse's actually an alum of New York Youth Symphony. 
And I didn't, if I knew it, then I had forgotten it. And I, I maybe have been embarrassed to, to forget that. I mean, I, I was reminded after the fact, did you know that she's an alum of New York Youth Symphony? I said, oh my gosh, <laughs> wow, if I, if I knew that I had forgotten and it's amazing. Um, so actually, you know, I remember when, when she came and spoke via Zoom, there was more than just talking about the, the piece. It was, you know, about her pathway um, and forging her extraordinary career in music. And she's always been extremely... Uh, supportive of the New York Youth Symphony. She actually was a recipient of an award at our last gala and um, was very supportive of our chamber music programs that that played her works um, at the gala. And, you know, she's been she's been very, very supportive. And, and they all have. Michelle has and Valerie has. Everybody, everybody has. Michelle Kahn is an expert in the piano music of Florence Price, and she is featured on the performance of Price's Piano Concerto. What was she able to bring to this performance that was unique? Well, her, her intimate knowledge of the concerto. You know, when we recorded it in November 2020, you could, I, I can't guarantee this, of course, but you could probably count on one hand, maybe two, the amount of pianists who could play it. And, and I'm sure you could count on one hand the amount of pianists who could play it at the level that Michelle played it. And she'd been playing it for, for years, since before um, there was the, the, the discovery of the original orchestration, which is what you hear on, on this album. It's the first and the only recording that, I, that I'm aware of, of Florence Price's actual original orchestration. Um, and so, plain and simple, her knowledge, not just of this concerto, but of Price's music just in general. And the students, we all, myself included, working with her live, were able to respond to her, um, her the mastery of her craft and, and of, of her knowledge of Florence Price's music, just that she conveys through her playing. And one thing that I'll say is that, you know, we didn't rehearse with her. We were so concerned that if we scheduled a rehearsal in the week before the, the recording, surely somebody would get sick. And, and, and we didn't want that, of course. And, and not only did we not want somebody to get sick, of course, we didn't want to jeopardize the, the project. And so we, we rehearsed with Michelle really for only about an hour or so before we hit record. Um, and uh, it speaks to the unbelievable ability that Michelle has to convey her knowledge of Florence Price's works immediately from her playing, that we were able to respond to that in a way that generated this, uh, I think, I'm sorry, it's self, self-aggrandizing, but sound, you know, an excellent recording of, of this piece. hope that that we'll be able to play the piece live together soon and the students of course fell in love with the price and they fell in love with michelle as well it's a piece that that should get played all the time uh the, the if you haven't heard florence price's concerto and particularly now that we have price's original orchestration which is published only since the pandemic there really is no excuse. It, it ought to be on every orchestra's 
program and regular regular program just as much as any other piano concerto um and i think especially i'm sorry just especially here in the u.s because it is it is it's a you know it's it's important for for american orchestras to be to be championing american music and and, and that's what this is Let's talk a little bit about that orchestration on this piano concerto. There is a point where there's a gorgeous lyrical duo for piano and oboe. Can you talk about the principal oboist and who performs that part? Oh, absolutely. Her name is Kara Poling. She is one to watch, uh, without without doubt. Interestingly, I first met Kara not in New York. I met her in Baltimore. She was in the uh, Baltimore Symphony Youth Orchestra, but also um, I have conducted the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra's um, side-by-sides, or had done before the pandemic for many, many years. And so at least once a year, I would see Kara because she would, of course, be in the all-star orchestra that would get to play with the Baltimore Symphony. Um, and so we had worked together for, for many years. And in fact, one year, she won the annual concerto competition. Uh, and I'm, I, I conducted her in a concerto when she was probably only 17 before she started going to Juilliard. And so I'd actually known her for years. And so the instant that she moved to New York and started going to Juilliard, I called her and I said, you really ought to come and audition for New York Youth Symphony. You're an exceptional oboist. We're very fortunate that she did. Uh, You'll hear her, you know, you mentioned that there's an extraordinary extraordinary duo. Um, Yes, it's one of the most special parts of the piece. The middle section is a is a, a lyrical duo for for that starts with piano and oboe, and it's un- unbelievable. It gives me chills every time, um, and I've heard it now a million times. It still does, and she plays it so just so well, just so well. In choosing the repertoire for this album, you were looking for music that was challenging and rewarding for the orchestra, and you were also wanting to highlight music that confronts systemic injustice. Can you talk a little bit about how Florence Price's Ethiopia's Shadow in America and also Jesse Montgomery's Soul Force both do that? As the title would suggest of Florence Price's Ethiopia's Shadow in America, the entirety of what we have in this country and what exists in this country was built by the forced labor of black people and slavery. And it's incumbent on everybody to recognize and realize that. Uh, and that is Ethiopia's shadow in America, that, that, that so much of what we have here was built by that. Um, and it's a, a huge sin. It is the it is it is the the, the 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 capital sin of what we have. And the music Ethiopia Shadow in America is about the experience uh, in in Florence Price's view of the experience of a black person stolen from their land to come to America, and the experience that they have going through that. And the titles of the movements of the. Uh, piece reflect that, um, and so it's actually you know in the, the because the writing is so organic and so 
hauntingly uh, beautiful and so um, clear, it's very easy to follow that story. Soul Force is based on uh, a line from Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech, where he talks about how we need to to confront systemic oppression with having a soul force. And, I, I, you know, I think it's it's really important for all of us to to remember that, 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 you know, we're still in this country fighting systemic, systemic injustices and systemic oppression. You know, I think it's it's really important for everybody to know that and for everybody to be fighting against it all the time. In creating this project, Michael, what do you think the members of the New York Youth Symphony have learned? Well, I, I, I can say that the musicians, that the young musicians are very thankful that, that we're able to put together the project. And, and for many of them, it was the one tactile thing that they can point to from the year of 2020 that they, that they feel that, that they, you know, look, we did this, you know. They learned so many things, you know. On a, on a very basic level, they recorded. For many of the students, this was their first experience doing a professional recording where you're wearing a headset and you're playing to a microphone and you learn that the style of playing when you're recording is extraordinarily different from live performance. Uh, and so it was a you know, steep learning curve for, for many because it was new, but there are so much better musicians for it. So yeah, how to record, how to practice for recording, how to go through a studio day. That is many, 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 many hours. Huge learning experience for them. Uh, for, I think, all of the musicians, or maybe most of them, um, the music that we played was new to them. And maybe even the composers were new to them. And so I hope that they, um, you know, learned, you know, new composers to love. And that was a huge, you know, part of the album as well. And what I wanted to see come from it was I wanted to see this music loved and played by orchestras and 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 uh, by people all around uh, and it it warms my heart to see uh orchestras start to program this music i'm seeing it all over and i don't know that it's because of the album but i know that as artistic administrators as conductors maybe looking into performing music by florence price valerie coleman jesse montgomery i hope that they'll come across this album and fall in love with this music in the same way that we did and because they're able to hear it I hope that it may make it easier for them to to program it and for more people to to learn it and and love it and share it and that's what we want to see come from it. The debut recording from the New York Youth Symphony featuring the music of Florence Price, Valerie Coleman, and Jesse Montgomery. Michael Repper is the conductor. Thanks to Valerie Kaler, our producer of New Classical Tracks, I'm Julia Macher. <laughs>